Hey there, Tranos listeners. This is producer B, aka the long haired sucker, coming to you in this special presentation from the negative zone. Cameron had a big weekend uh, working in Canada. So this week, instead of your regularly scheduled Tranos episode, we're going to bring you a special presentation from our new joint spinoff podcast, Remedial Mixtape, where Cameron and I present music to each other and uh, in the future to guests. And we dig deeply into it, and we talk about what it means to us and the ways that music can remedy some of the pain that people experience. So please enjoy this first episode of Remedial Mixtape, featuring largely music that I like, because fans of Tranos already know the kind of shit that Cameron is on. Uh, and I want to make sure that people who listen to Ramino Mixtape can know what kind of shit I'm on, too. Please enjoy. Welcome to Remedial Mixtape. It's just two queer peeps traversing the Aura Emotional Bifrost behind the NQO paywall on Patreon.com. It's me, B, uh, often present but seldom heard, <laughs> the tender villain, a.k.a. the black and trans fantasy, a.k.a. Tranos and the lived experience's very own Robin Quivers. Speaking <laughs> live, let me hand it off to my sister. Hey, what's up, everyone? My name's Cameron Ayin, but you also know me as Trano. Say it with your whole chest, or I'll start weirdmailing in this bitch, aka the CEO of uh, Amazon Style. Uh, you know, in-house weed smoker, uh, Junior Charlemagne intern. There's colorism humor on this podcast. <laughs> it's the Asian <laughs> Brown connection. <laughs> so, welcome to Remedial Mixtape again. This is our new show where we explore all the intersections that music can take us to. In this first episode, this first pair of episodes, this first brace of episodes, we are going to present ourselves, lay our spirits bare for the purpose of context. If we're going to be talking to other people about music and what it means to us and how we're hearing it, uh, we both feel it's important that the people who are listening to us, listening to music, understand what kind of ears we're bringing to the table. So this time, I'm bringing B's Vertical Slice, uh, is the name of the pot, of the playlist that I'm bringing. It's going to be in the show notes, and we're going to link it and spread it around so that you can follow along at home. It's an introduction. Good evening, bitches. Uh, this is the inaugural episode. I'm pretty proud to be here. Uh, we've been talking about this for a while. And music does like jump into conversation between us a lot. So we figured we'd give it a go. And uh, you know both of us from Tranos and the Lived Experience, but you get to know a little bit more about us here at Remedial Mixtape. Yeah, bitch. Yeah, bitch. <laughs> All right, let's just let's make it happen. We're not even yeah, five excited. minutes let's in. So I'm going to start with my number one on this playlist. 
it's a pro it's it's this is very tough uh this is a track from my favorite band period uh los campesinos okay los campesinos is a band of english people who formed in college in wales so it's like a welsh band in the same way that acdc is an australian band even though all the members are english okay it's sort of like post cure music where the the main songwriter gareth has said before that the music is inspired by like tony braxton it's it's extremely over um, like emotionally overwrought music, like okay. they have their um, "Hello Sadness" from 2011 is their like breakup album, but in a realer way, every single Los Campesinos record is a breakup record featuring only breakup songs, uh, and for this purpose, the most representative Los Campesinos song of me as of yesterday is uh, She Crows Documented Minor Emotional Breakdown number four. Okay, let's, let's give it a listen. Let on an ex-boyfriend's corpse I slip from gala to balls And splayed his face to the floor I, like I'm really like that's my first time hearing that, and I, mm-hmm. I, thanks for sharing it. Actually, like because that's what this is kind of just about. This is about us sharing the music that like kind of uh, sparks like creativity and emotion for us. And like the first thought in my mind is that I just feels very because um, I am much older. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this feels very 1998 to me. Mm-hmm. Very like high school. Very like. I'm getting ready to go to school. I needed something to listen to. And I I had a rough day before. It's given me like a little bit of feels, but it's also just kind of uplifting a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So something I liked uh, when I said post cure earlier, I often try to characterize them that way because in. So when we talk about like the eighties and like goth music, like the breakout by far is the cure who, you know, they really looked the part. Like, Robert Smith, to this day, looks like somebody whose hairspray will catch light in, if he gets too close to the clove. Open flames. Just, like, minding his own business on the dance floor, and then someone's wild clove gets too close, and he's gone. <laughs> um, but that's, like, really kind of uplifting music that The Cure makes. And I do kind of want to shout out a little bit against my better judgment, the Smiths a little bit because Johnny Marr's music is like, so like major toned and so like bubbly sometimes. Okay. But you know, the Morrissey lyrics are like the grimmest (laughs) and often terribly disgusting because that dude sucks. (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) But, uh, she crows is, and I think it's worth mentioning actually. So when I said their 2011 album was their breakup album, this originally comes from a seven inch that was released through their fanzine that they had that had this it had a, a single with this on the a side and okay 
it was only like widely released uh, two years ago on Whole Damn Body, uh, okay. which is a collection of all these like weird little singles. Because, you know, for how like nostalgic some of the sounds are, yeah. it is like so 2000s indie shit. Like, these are people who are like, here's your single with your zine that we like <laughs> we, pr- we printed at home. Like the, the beginning of like DIY music, like the very beginnings of DIY music. Like it gives me like uh it gives me like a very like it feels older, like the sounds of it feel older. Like I don't really know a lot of the background of this band, but like listening to it gives me like that it gives me like that um angsty like kind of like uplifting hope music so like yeah like the cure was really like known people had to pigeonhole them into being sad music but when i listened to the cure a lot of the times the beats were so uplifting the lyrics were the part that was kind of could be interpreted as sad but i never really felt that way listening to that song i i, I could listen to it again mm-hmm. um she crows as a title just I love crows. It feels very like it, it just feels very 1990s post crow soundtrack, <laughs> like groove, like in, intense. Like it doesn't feel like it's overdone. It feels like it was just a bunch of artists who just wanted to make art. Yeah, it's like so like forward and confessional, which that's going to be a theme that comes out um, the more we talk about these. But, like, the thing, like, a lot of the best Los Capuciano songs, to me, remind me of Just Like Heaven. Okay. Which, if we ever do, like, an episode about covers, I would love to enter the Dinosaur Jr. version into conversation. But, um, it's sad. Like, it's, like, some, like, Los Capuciano songs are so often about yearning for something specific. Right. Where it's a situation with another person who the speaker, like, loves really deeply, but for, like, all sorts of different reasons. Like, in this case, uh, you when she, when she crows, she crows, you want my happiness, but on your terms. So this is someone who's, like, so deeply in love with another person who feels that their, their love and is like, this is for you. And then the speaker is, like, torn asunder by that realization but then isn't changing (laughs) (laughs) yeah i've been in that relationship (laughs) i've been in that relationship for sure Mm -hmm. and Uh, like it it feels like it it didn't feel like a breakup song to me it felt like a a, a, a inner conflict song like there's something going on when like you're listening to the lyrics and and the, the timbre of everything, it just felt like there was like some kind of inner turmoil that was sort of hopeful. But now hearing that, I'm like, oh, okay, I was off. <laughs> I was a little bit off. It's like a it's like a pre breakup song. Like it's it's a musical encapsulation of a conversation you have with a partner when you're like, I think we might both be unhappy. Right. We need to, we need to check on that. <laughs> right. This is it's it's the 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 meeting before the exit interview. Mm. <laughs> okay, let's let's pick our next one. So this next track, I'm going to try to move the tone around because okay. my shit, I love, I love, love, love sad music. So this next one is going to be uh, the impression that I get by the Mighty Mighty Boston's, which holy shit, we're familiar with. Yeah. Up so high, you need a strength, which don't possess a 
That one doesn't need as much of an introduction. <laughs> it really doesn't. Because some and of like, us are washed, like we said. Yeah, I'm super washed. And that like that like that brought up emotions immediately because that was like uh it was like a party song. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know why. Like I, you heard it everywhere. Um generally like I used to skateboard with a bunch of guys and they were all like into like ska and shit like mm-hmm. that. So this song was played a lot. I wasn't really into it, but I like I can't help but bob my head because it's just so energetic and sounds fun. I have no idea what the singer was talking about. I think it I might be never... because you're Jamaican. You just like have a <laughs> you have a genealogical predisposition <laughs> to ska. That you can't escape. It, I might start ska in this bitch. <laughs> it's like it's like it's a party song because it makes your body want to two step move. Yeah, you got to do a little, little two-step, little, little, little Irish, little, little Jamaican Scottish jig, you know, uh, like yeah, like it, it was in, it was in my circle heavy. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't place the time period because I think it was early two thousands. It was well for me, and here's the thing: I don't regular, I don't super bump uh, the Mighty Mighty Boston's. I fuck with this song, but I have kind of a low tolerance in my household for ska. <laughs> for lots of reasons. Right. Um, but this is, I, I wanted to include this because it is nostalgic and it's warm and it is pretty sad also, which, oops. Uh, <laughs> but to me, this is so important because in 1999, when I was, I mean, I turned five um, wow. in 1999. I was 19. <laughs> yeah, we're different ages. Um, but in 1999, the Digimon movie came out. Oh, shit. So after Pokemon, the first movie, which is like, what a huge dick title. There's going to be more of these. You don't know it yet. Um, But after that, the, you know, competing like monster anime properties had to catch up. So what the Digimon people ended up doing is they stitched together, I think, four movies. I I don't remember. I was at that time I was 19. I was. Mm. Uh, doing a lot of drugs and having a lot of sex at that point. So mm-hmm. I wasn't watching those movies anymore. They stitched together four movies where to make it all make sense, the English dub is its own story. Like okay. they changed like base, like all the vibes and all the um, much of the dialogue to make it all make sense. But that soundtrack fucks. Like it's the first time I heard like a lot of this like pop punk and ska music and Fat Boy Slim is there. Oh shit. <laughs> and oh, it, shit. And it was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like there's the end of one of the segments is the Digidestined children uh defeat like this nuclear threat. Like there's nukes in the air and they're okay. doing their best to solve it. And then when everything is like over, uh needle drop on the impression that I get. I'm getting a little bit goosey um imagining the imagery, because this shit went hard. Uh, but it's also like really interesting how I think a lot of these I'm just I'm uncovering uh, an autism theme already a lot of the music that I like is the speakers are people who don't have like a total handle on their own emotions okay you know this song the impression that I get is like I am an adult with a whole brain and I kind of get this vibe from things. Like, uh, 
Yeah, like it starts, have you ever been close to tragedy or been close to folks who have? Have you ever felt a pain so powerful, so heavy you collapse? Yes. No. Well, like I don't, like this is a song about someone who's like bad at relating (laughs) to other people. But it feels good because like it's exuberant. It's like the whole, his whole self is like blasting out of his face. It's just that not everybody's ready to have a conversation about the time you felt a pain so powerful, so heavy you collapsed. Yeah, like generally, like the the mood when this song was playing was not that. It, it was people getting drunk and not really listening to the lyrics because I come from that era where like people weren't really listening. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of powerful lyrics being written, but people weren't listening to them. Yeah, and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be 100. I am almost never going to bring an instrumental song to this show. Yeah, I, me either. I like it's such a it's like a poetry delivery system, largely music in general to me. Yeah, to me it feels like it feels like it's it's a journal entry to music, a glimpse into someone else's perspective. So I guess now we're going on a gradient from uh, British people to uh, Americans influenced by island music. To uh, finally, just we're doing we're black now. We're doing black people, finally. Um, okay. So this is gonna be Phasers off of "Take Me to Your Leader," the only record uh, released by MF Doom in his King Ghidorah, King Ghidorah, excuse me, um, persona, which is much it's more sample heavy stuff more. Um, okay. Like unlike Mad Villain or any of his like Adult Swim stuff this is like him making beats to work with. And originally I had all caps on here because that song fucks obviously, but it doesn't like everybody loves mad villainy and they're not wrong, but I think that doom's idiosyncrasies are more pronounced on stuff like take me to your leader where he is conveying a message using the tools he has available to him which is just like a huge amount of samples from the old Fantastic Four cartoon, from Fist of the North Star, the English dub, from the, oh, Eng- from the English dubs of, uh, obviously, Godzilla movies. So let's, right, hit, right. let's hit this one. King Pedro, three-finger ring fever. Spring chicken eater, ID'd as a ringleader. Who needs a heater? Catch him with bare hands. These same hands that make razors out bare cans. His own biggest fan, and got a fan base as big as Japan. Yeah, and I mean, that was fire. Period. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, Doom is hip hop, hip hop, real hip hop, all day, all day, all day, hip hop, hip hop. Is rest in peace, the god, obviously. But he was like an avatar of like pure hip hop. In yeah. a way, like I do have um, my highly underrated, highly underrated, highly misunderstood. I think. Yeah, because. For all of the, and that's like my, 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 my thing about like the difference or the reason that I picked Take Me to Your Leader over Mad Villainy for this purpose, this representational purpose, is that Doom was such a little freak. He wore a Doom mask. He wouldn't show up to things. You'd buy tickets to a Doom show and he wouldn't come because he was just like a weirdo. He was like a super weird guy who you know, like, from oral histories we know, was actually, like, really real. Like, 
you know, he was in the conscious scene, right? He was formerly known as uh, Zev Love X. Um, and they got like too conscious for their record label and they got dropped. And then his brother was killed, uh, I think, in a car accident. Jeez. And that like he got really weird after that. Like he, he wouldn't stop making music. But then like he it put it like it like, you know, it's his villain origin story. Yeah, like grief kind of like molded like molded his art into a point where like it was about the art, but he sometimes just didn't have the capacity to perform it. Like, well, I understand that coming from a mm-hmm. space of like trauma has at times made me like fickle and agoraphobic. So understanding that back arc to his story like, and, and then hearing like his lyrics is like he worked so hard to push through that, that the times that he needed to, but sometimes he just didn't show up the concerts. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to be so like, I think a lot of people when they imagine what hip hop is, this is like exactly like smack dab in the middle of that genre where it's, you know, it's boastful. He's like, it's me, King Ghidorah. Uh, I, I'm a dragon. I'm a monster with three heads. I will get your ass 100% of, time, of the time. <laughs> right. uh, got more zit zit than ZZ Top. Um, yeah, see, who needs a heater? Catch him with bare hands. These same hands that made razors out of beer cans. Yeah, he got he got metaphors. He's like, what are you going to... Like, why would you need to shoot somebody? Just beat their ass. And he was like someone who in real life, you know, they'd be like hanging around, playing video games, watching cartoons. And then he'd pull the box cutter and be like, never forget. (laughs) I'll fuck you up. Never forget. Hey, it could be anybody at any time. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. It can be your own niggas. Look out. And then they think like, he just like go back. They'd go back to minding their business. But this dude was weird. And... It's like which is why I fuck with him. It's like Batman. Like the reason that I love Doom so much, in addition to like his personality being so idiosyncratic and honestly relatable, is his shit is so. He is the best MC of all time. That is a fact that I know. Like, <laughs> like I don't want to hear about no Method Man. I don't want to hear about no. I don't oh, ever want to hear about Eminem. I don't want to hear about uh, Tech Nine. I don't want to hear about Andre Three Thousand. It's oh, Doom, shit. you silly. I mean, <laughs> I'm gonna get on this boat with you for the sake of keeping this show up, <laughs> but the the Method Man slander gotta stop. Look, <laughs> these are all people who are amazing at the shit that they do. Right, right. But Doom, I get what you're saying though. Like he'll rhyme two lines four ways, yeah. and it'll all be cogent and make perfect sense. And, you know, like, I, 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 I said Eminem, Eminem will not make sense. Like, he can, yeah. he, like, he, he'll, his internal rhymes aren't like that. He rhymes, he says a lot of words really fast, but it's low density. You know, it's like high volume, low density. Yeah, yeah. But Doom was high, high volume, high density. You know, like, he was shooting stars out of his mouth. I can agree with that. I, I, I can get on board with that. Like, he was... He, I, I moved in a lot of circles and Doom always popped up and no matter what kind of circles I was in, even in like uh, like the 90s rock, like in like new metal scene, like Doom's name was kind of like, like popping up all the time. We got like a plethora of different kinds of people were in the Doom. And in a weird way, I do think that's kind of, <laughs> there's like Doom, like a lot of the most famous and powerful weird niggas in our history. Right. Um, 
got like more attention from white people than maybe is appropriate because they're like, oh, this is, I've seen a cartoon before. Right. But, Not listening to the actual lyrics, like I, like which goes back to what I was saying a lot of the time, like back in my my formative years, people weren't listening to the lyrics and I was like getting looked at weird because I was in the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the lyrics are all there and it's, you know, this is something that I see on TikTok a lot as, as discourse is white people discover hip hop on their own because it's cool or it's like something that's like fed to them by like record labels and radio stations and stuff. But there is no version of like, if you're the right age, you have never not been listening to hip hop. Right. So it's been everywhere for like 45 years now, 50 years now. I think 74 was like when DJ cool Herc or whatever started to make the shit pop. I think it was yeah, 74. But it didn't really, so. really like pop until MTV. Yeah, like it was in it was in uh, the Bronx that whole time. Right. It was waiting to emerge. Yeah, it didn't like pop off until like 84, 85 is when like you started seeing like uh, hip hop artists in movies and hip hop artists in commercials. And it didn't really get good like that until like 91. Mm-hmm. And actually, that's that's this is worth mentioning that Doom is from Long Island. Oh shit! So he was in it. He was there the whole time, ready to go. But I was saying that like white people often are like non-black people. Often need an in to hip hop, where that's like, oh, the Fantastic Four cartoon. I can get with that. <laughs> Logic looks white, or you know, I'm suicidal. I can get in with that. Uh, right. Eminem is white. I can do that. But there's like un- there's like depths there that they can't necessarily penetrate a lot of the time. Right. All right, let's let's get to the next. I just want to say before you start that, just uh, like just a shout out um, to all the fifty-year-old Eminem uh, heads who believe that he's the rap god. Like, just kind of like take a chill pill and try to listen to someone else. Like, he's fine. He's fine. He's all right. He's all right. But like, but like, try to listen to somebody else because that was their introduction and they stuck with that shit. There's a lot of fifty-year-old white Rochesterians walking around with rap, rap god in their fucking iPod. Look, man, shout out to the Academy Awards. The first ever original hip hop song to win an Oscar was Lose Yourself from 8 Mile. If, yeah. I, if I ever see Oscar running around, it's on site. On site. I'm break that bitch in half. On site. Work the finish off that bitch. <laughs> what, what you got next? So speaking of uh, black weirdos who needed to be stopped and no one would stop them. Um, this next joint is uh, St. James Infirmary by Cab Calloway and his band. Holy shit. But you never find another sweet man like me. Now when I die, bet me in my straight leg britches. Put on a box, back coat, and a studs in the eyes. Put a $20 gold piece on my watch chain so you can let Uh, yeah, that, that, he's a weird nigga, but I love weird niggas. Mm-hmm. And Cab Calloway was played a lot in my household as a child. Like, uh, there's something about like uh, his voice sounds like, and, and and this is gonna throw a lot of people off, uh, or not. His voice sounds like voodoo. Yeah, I'm in it. Yeah, he sounds haunted. Like, yeah, like I love, I and I do consistently bump Cab Calloway because there is nothing, and this is you know, representation is important. 
I love nothing more than a light-skinned nigga who is horrifying. Yeah. Like, he's, why is he so weird? Um, you know, like, many of the Mocher is his one, obviously, that everybody knows. I was right, right. considering the, the ghost of Smokey Joe for this, which is about the ghost of many of the Mocher's drug-dealing boyfriend who got her hooked on heroin. Damn. And about how he'll he'll come like he'll haunt you. Like that song starts. How does it start? Uh, I you you didn't see you didn't see me climbing through the window. Nobody had to ho- open that door. Jesus. I was here the whole time. And you, the, I, I'm a name you Cokies all ought to know. Like he was wild, and I love that. Like he's so haunted. But now, I'm looking at the lyrics now, where uh, you know when I die. So, again, this is a song about, like, he's going down to St. James Infirmary to see my baby. She's stretched out on a long white table, so sweet, so cold, oh fair. So she died, and he's like, yeah, "Yeah, well, when I'm dead, bury me in my straight leg britches, put on a box back coat and a Stetson hat, put a $20 gold piece on my watch chain so you can let all the boys know I died standing pat. $20 was, like, $200, maybe more. Like, he was, like, this is, again, hip-hop, hip-hop, real hip-hop. He's like, when I die, don't let them know I wasn't broke. Yeah, like, uh, if you think about it, like, the, the rapper who most benefited from this song, if, if it, it could possibly be listened to, is 2 Chains. When I die, bury me inside a jewelry store. I mean, where yeah, did you exactly. get that concept from? Did it come from Cab Calloway? Uh, or um, Rick Ross. Uh, mm. what, what's one of the lines here? Uh then give me six crap shooting Paul Bears. I think uh, Rick Ross said, roll up the coppers like it's December 31st. Roll up and cop it and hit them niggas where it hurts. If I die today, oh shit. I can't remember. I think he said, if I die today, remember me in white linen. Buried in Louis, I'm talking with all white lemon. Tell all of my bitches to tattoo my name upon their titty. Put a statue of a nigga in the middle of the city. That's Cap Calloway shit. Yeah, honestly, and it's it's wild. This was like the 30s. This is like the 30s into the 40s. Right. And, he was awesome thug shit in the 30s. And see, that's the like, that's part of the trick, too, I guess, right? Is like when we're talking about white people needing an in. Mm. Cap Calloway was like yellower than me, which is crazy. Right. High yellow with good hair. Yeah, so like they let him, they let him do it, right? And he's like, "Well, right. I'm here. Get ready for, get get ready for some nigga shit, okay? Some ultra nigga shit. <laughs> this is some shit that you don't even know about. Put, let a chorus girl sing me a song. Put a red hot jazz band at the top of my head so we can raise hallelujah as we go along. Like, this is not for them. <laughs> he's like, this is this is how we talk to amongst each other." Right. And enjoy it, white people. And then they did. Whitey was like, oh, wow. That's a catchy tune. Wow, the <laughs> Cotton Club. <laughs> and those, that's, those Negroes sure can let their hair down. It's like his refusal to like ever to be somebody else. Yeah, never catered to, to the white audience, even though like he kind of had to. Well, they thought he had to. He kind of just did his thing. Like, Cap, shout out to Cap Galloway. Mm-hmm. In a way, actually. A this, trill nigga. And this is wild to say. In a way, like, Cap Calloway and, like, Duke Ellington and, like, other, like, similar ultra-famous light-skinned band leaders, they sort of, like, prefigured the success of Kim Petras. 
Because, you know, I think she trans like she started her transition when she was like 12 or something. Yeah, I think so. So she's like the passing as bitch in the world. And she's like, are you ready to hear music about being trans? <laughs> Number one on Billboard with Sam Smith, also trans, for I have no idea how long Unholy was up there. But they're probably still on that bitch. I don't know if it's number one anymore, but like their shit was popping. And it just comes from like, this is what's up. Like, you know, you don't, like, this is the stuff that you think about me. Okay, well, what if it was fire? What if it whips? What the hell? What if the shit, what what if my existence actually slaps? All right, I'm gonna go way west now and. I'm gonna go way east and way at, way west. Um, and yeah, I'm this gonna... playlist is jumping off. I really appreciate the perspective because our play, our respective playlists are hella different, and yeah. I like that. We need both perspectives, babe. So this is the first original soundtrack. Uh, obviously, I mentioned that uh, the impression that I get came to me from a soundtrack. Right. So did this, but this only comes from a soundtrack. This is by Seatbelts, like the house band of Yoko Kano on the Cowboy Bebop soundtrack. Okay. And this, I lied earlier, this is an instrumental song, actually. It feels cabaret. It feels like somebody's getting ready to come out with script. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, like hell yeah, Lyra, get your tits out. That was uh, digging my potato from the Cowboy Bebop soundtrack, and I just I love harmonica so much. Like, I guess when I think of instrumental music, a lot of the time I think of like scores. You know, like people are fucking like with Hans Zimmer. Okay. And, you know, they're like orchestra, they're orchestra pieces much of the time. But there's something so good. You know, and this is so funny to say after coming off a big band song. But um, there is something so good about music, which is in its music that is essentially humble. Okay, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, me coming from a more like I need more kind of playlist. Mm-hmm. Um, I can understand the simplicity of it. And, and and like how it sets a different tone because it's it's simple but effective and I think this the simpleness of it is planned and, and and it makes you pay attention more to the feel of what's going on through the song and, and it helps you interpret where it might be coming from because mm-hmm. there's not so much going on so your brain gets to wander and and, and play with the sound and, and 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 bring up its own images and that, that's what I like about that track specifically mm-hmm. it's my first time hearing it and i felt like immediately once i started hearing it like kind of kick in a little bit my mind drew a picture of what it, this song was about mm-hmm. this is like such a sombrero wearing ass song um and in the way that you know jazz isn't a only about what's there but what isn't there it's about the notes that they aren't playing and why aren't they playing those uh okay. this is an example of like 
not just the notes that aren't being played, but like the instruments that aren't being played. It's a harmonica and it's like, I'm not kind of, I'm not sure exactly what the drum is, but it's like a hand drum. It sounded like a, like a hand drum with a brush, like they were using mm-hmm. a brush stick. Yeah, there was like, there's so little happening and it's just, it's immersive because there is nothing to like prevent you from like getting to the bottom of it immediately. Right, 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 right. I dig it the most. Um, before you jump off, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna hit this bong because I don't want to interrupt what your next thing's gonna be. But uh, yeah, I told you I was a resident weed smoker, and um, today's episode is brought to you by Bacchio Gelato. Bacchio Gelato, shit's dank. <laughs> For jabs. That was for jazz. It's for jazz. Have a big jazz cigarette in your robot bong. Hitting a a reefer. (laughs) All right, so this next one is going to be Touch Tone Telephone by Lemon Demon off of Spirit Foam. Spirit Foam was a record that came out in 2016, I think, by a man named Neil Cesariga, I think is how you pronounce it. It's a very complicated last name for someone who is so dyslexic. He went viral originally in like the, the mid-2000s, before virality was like a thing that we could talk about, before we had language to describe being going viral. Okay. He put out uh, The Ultimate Showdown for <clears throat> Ultimate Destiny in 2005, and then Potter Puppet Pals, I think, in 2006. And those were both like huge, phenomenal like internet video moments. Um, but then he went on to like make some like extremely neurodivergent music. He's got four records that are just like mashup records. Because you know when you like have a song in your head and then you're you're like dwelling on it for a little bit and then accidentally you link it to another piece of music, yeah. And then it's not that like you're you're like listening to both songs at the same time. He's got four records of this. The first one being uh, I think Mouth Sounds is the first one, I'll and check that out. that's just All Star. Like every single track is All Star by Smash Mouth and other things. But this is like all original music. That's like spooky. It's like really cute Halloweeny music. Okay. And uh, this will bring up some of my old themes that we've already been talking about. I think. So this is a song about a conspiracy theorist who it's a love song about a conspiracy theorist who needs to express some of the things in their brain to the host of an AM band conspiracy radio show, radio call-in show. Okay. It had a call-in kind of feel. It did have that call-in kind of feel. And, and not for nothing, it felt very, like, very 80s, very aha. Mm-hmm. I think that's intentional. In fact, let me pull up the, let me blow up the album art here. If I can. That's the biggest it'll get. Spirit phone. Um, It's, like, intentionally 80s. Like, I was thinking about how the synths are very, like, you know, obviously synths are very synthy, but... Yeah. In like an almost like 
the like the it had like a maniac kind of sound font on it. Yeah, like it was like a little like it was uh it was it felt very 80s. It felt very like 80s like synth pop. Artsy synth pop, yeah. And I believe all the instrumentation is uh digital also. Like even the drum. So it's all like it's super 80s. It's super, you know, like B movie straight to VHS kind of vibe. But it's also like I think to me deeply moving. Um because it is like super weird. Uh, but yeah, your taste is very eclectic and it's, it's very <laughs> like, it's very everywhere all at the same time, mm-hmm. which is cool. Like, I think mine is a little bit more focused because I'm an old head, <laughs> but like yours delves into lots of different timelines and lots of different styles. And that's pretty cool. Like this is like introducing me to a sound that I missed out on when it was out. Mm-hmm. Like I missed out on this because of my focus. And I think I think honestly, like to me, instead of being like rooted in a time, I have like sort of a spiritual anchor to some of this stuff. Where okay. I think a lot of the song the, the songs that I picked out, I'm realizing as we're discussing them, are about like people who like a lot of these songs are like investigations into like the connections between people. And a lot of the time, the speaker is somebody who is, like, doing the investigation in the text. Because, you know, like, uh, this is such, like, a, a, a two-mouthed track. Um, where I think it's time for you to know the awful truth is, like, so conspiracy theory. But then the next line is the truth about me and the truth about you. Like, yeah. in addition to there are things about us that we don't even know. And it's really scary is like, this person is speaking to a truth of like, we are like deeply connected somehow. The literal reading is like, this person is just like desperate to get their voice on the the show so that they can uh, share their unified theory. But I, 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 we're not going to play the clips um, in the episode. We're going to cut around to make these things fit. Okay. Um, but the, what I did here was I played for Cam- played for Cameron up to this line because you're the only person in the world who'd understand. Is like, so there's one line that stands alone because you're the only person in the world who'd understand. Okay. And then it's like lightened, you know. It's kind of like when you send a serious text, but then go lol at the end. It's softened by, because you're the only person in the world who'd understand the meaning of this. It's like, actually, the only reason that I care so much about your opinion and that I need for you to be paying attention to me is because you are an expert. That's why. It's not that we are soulmates. But I think this song is about someone who who feels like their soulmate is the host of this radio show and is, like, negotiating with themselves yeah yeah like it 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 just it felt very like angsty and it felt like a like very like as you put it like conspiracy theorist it mm-hmm. felt like it was like oh, like I, I desperately need to tell you this thing that only you would understand and only you would know and, and the music was it played played into that the building of that story mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's just a honestly this is a beautiful album with like a lot of really like heartfelt weird fucked up shit there's a track on there called Cabinet Man, which is about a mad scientist who puts his body into an arcade machine. 
<laughs> to like evade capture by like the authorities. But then the fucking Game Boy comes out and people stop going to arcades. Oh shit. And he's alone now. Like he was everybody's favorite cabinet in the arcade. And now everybody's gone. And you know, they he's finally discovered when some like rambunctious teens break into the abandoned arcade and start smashing shit up and one of the cabinets bleeds. <laughs> That's fucking great. And there's also a no-eyed girl, which super fucks. It's about um it's about get really high listening to both of those albums. It's a, it is about another it's another love song about like a weird like a kind of mad scientist type guy who falls in love with a woman from not our universe. And it's, you know it talks about like there's a lot of love songs about like I can't imagine a world where we kissed. Like when we do, I don't know what's going to happen. And this is a song about when we kiss, I know what's going to happen. And it's going to destroy the universe, but I want it so bad, and that's beautiful. It is. I love, I love, I love that you you want so bad, and you're willing to watch it destroy everything around you. Yeah, it's like cosmic horror. It's like using cosmic horror as a vehicle to textualize "I love you so much that it's driving me fucking insane." Huh? There it is. <laughs> um, and then let's scoot over to a more conventional love song. Um, this is the con by Tegan and Sarah uh, off the eponymous album from 2007. I think we determined, and it's one of my all-time bangers. Get out ahead of the accusations and make it very clear. Tegan and Sarah are also both Virgos. I mean, they're twins. But yeah, shout out to, but, shout out to Tegan and Sarah from another twin. Shout out. But the Virgo vibes on the con are insane. I saw them in November, and on the way back, I was talking to Haley. And I was like, I think my favorite Tegan and Sarah song is The Con. And they did that shit where they're like, yeah. <laughs> Bitch, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> what are you accusing me of right now? Shout out, shout out to him. <laughs> um, uh, Tegan and Sarah like have been around for a very fucking long time. Mm-hmm. They were super indie in like the late '90s, early 2000s. They are one of the like bands that like helped me realize just how queer I was. And I was coming to that point in my life where I was like, wait a minute, like, am I like, am I growing into who I have to be for the rest of my life? Cause this sucks. And listening to Tegan and Sarah sometimes like helped. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I really got to get into them around like my Annie DeFranco Lilith Fair phase. Cause I was the only black air quotes man at Lilith Fair. <laughs> and Tegan and Sarah said, psych, dyke. <laughs> like it was like oh man i'm so trans like i was like oh man i'm so trans <laughs> shout out to tegan and sarah they're shout so out. good and yeah this one god i'm i'm really whooping my own ass on this one where yeah. again like the it has a very similar vibe to um she crows documented a minor emotional breakdown number four where this is a song about like 
I am bad at relating to you for all sorts of reasons. This is someone who like desperately wants to o- open this line of communication with their loved one and just can't crack it. Um, I'm capsized, erring on the edge of safe. Like I am like I'm falling out of myself. My shit is topsy turvy because I'm just slightly out of my comfort zone. I'm working on it. Nobody likes to, but I'd really like to cry. Nobody likes me. Maybe if I cry. Like, this is someone who has, like, a lot of stuff inside and isn't sure how to make their outside, their inside, their outside. Yeah, like, can't, like, can't navigate social interaction. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, it feels it feels that the lyrics, like, really paint that picture for me. Uh, and I, I understand it. <laughs> I totally understand it. I just needed to get Sarah's strain into the conversation on encircle me. I need to be taken down. Well, that could mean a lot of things, but from my perspective, like uh, I, I was a foster kid. So mm. like I, when I was having these kind of situations where I could not socially relate, uh, I was often like viewed as being like off-putting and aggressive and I would get circled and taken down because I was in foster care and they were allowed to go hands-on. So yeah, it was like, it feels that it feels like that's like, em- like emotionally, like when you see someone who's having an emotional crisis and you don't know what to do, you often become violent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't know if they read, I don't know if they read that into it, but that's what I see it as. Like, encircle me. I need to be taken down. It's like they kind of want the conflict because they would understand the physical more than they can relate to the social. Yeah, to me, like, again, this is like Virgo hours. To, like, it's sort of that, I, I read it that way, but it's like entirely on the part of the speaker. Like, there's no external force being like, this person's unmanageable, therefore we need to stop them. This mm-hmm. is somebody who's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't. I don't know what I'm doing, and I can't like relinquish control. There's no way for me to like hand over my emotions to the care of somebody else. So right. I need somebody to like pin me in and like bring me down. Like I need to be taken off my feet by the all-encompassing love of somebody else. Because oh, shit. I will stop functioning if it's up to me. Deep nigga shit. Hey, you know <laughs> it. Like that, that, I mean, like, yeah, like I totally get that. It's weird how I related to it. Like I, I related it to a memory and like it, it felt like a, like a situation that I've been in many a times where I just could not navigate what was going on around me emotionally. And like, I literally had to have someone like, like weight me, like put mm-hmm. weight on me to let me know, like oh, like you're here in this moment. This is what's happening. Don't overdo it, <laughs> like that kind of stuff. That's that's how it felt to me. Shout out to weighted blankets, like they're, they're that shit really works for right. a lot it of reasons. A lot of ass women. A lot of people. <laughs> a lot of people that stopped getting crushed when weighted blankets came out. All right, so this next one is, I think, my last hip hop entry. But real hip hop, it is what I believe to be my favorite track um, by my favorite living, at least, rapper, Open My Eagle, who is incredible. Okay. This is kind of another softy one. I think his favorite rapper is Doom also. 
And I want to compare them directly because, you know, Doom, his tone was like very normative for the genre. Yeah. But Mike Eagle is so confessional and autobiographical, which is why he's my favorite, I guess. I think in fall of 2020, he put out a record called Anime Trauma and Divorce about watching anime and having a lifetime of trauma and having just gotten divorced. Like he got divorced and was like, I need to work this stuff out. And this is from his EP from just before that, I think. And this is every single thing from what happens when I try to relax. Okay. The economy killed the rhyme star. I'm privileged, born with the silver time card. About as high as I held my heroes. I put my chips on myself like heroes. We in the future, but far more options now. I'm in the crib breaking cardboard boxes down. Shit. Bars. <laughs> the bars. Yeah, this is very like, his stuff is really grounded, and I really appreciate that. Oh, yeah, bars. Sorry. Bars. It's his, his shit is so grounded and so, like you know, it's just like really about stuff. Like he really like puts his thoughts down, and I think that's really nice. And it doesn't feel like you were saying like the tone is so different. It's so laid back talking about something that's super real, and he hits tonally. He hits those points where it needs to have a little bit more behind it. He hits them and goes right back into his rhythm, mm-hmm. and like b- bars, nigga. I think it partially comes from like he's from a different tradition. He's from Chicago. And in fact, he has a really, really, really good album called uh, Brick Body Kids Still Daydream about the former uh, largest housing project, I think, in the world. Oh, shit. uh, Called the Robert Taylor Homes. It's where a bunch of his family lived and he spent a lot of time growing up. It's where Mr. T grew up also. Oh, shit. And in 2007, they bulldozed it and then just kind of didn't get around to replacing it, really. So where'd all those people go? Fuck them. Turns out. Wow. (laughs) Rahm Emanuel said fuck them. Oh, shit. Well. Uh, Was that the mayor in 2007? I'm not from... This is not a Midwest podcast. (laughs) No, it's not. There's a lot of, like, the... It's, like, very community-focused. Like, it's sort of autobiographical, but it's, like, autobiographical in the sense of, like, he's from places. And right. there are things that are happening to him. And it's about, like, his, his his experience of the world happening to everybody else. And he's, like, synthesis- he's like the, the prism. And I really appreciate that because, like, all I was saying, a lot of hip-hop is really individual. And very often it's, like... You know, he. I also shared with you, Cameron, um, a couple weeks ago, his his song that he did for uh, the like Wonder Swan ass uh, retro video game, retro style video game, Beatdown City. Okay, okay. Where yeah. one of the lines on that track is, "If I'm on your block, you better tell a doctor. I'm hella big and I'm about to punch a helicopter." Uh, he ha- like he has that in him. Like it starts with like we all have this stuff going on. Like, my folks need some jobs and some Wozniaks because people are broke and need a lot. And then there's people who have so much money. But at the same time, even if you belong to a marginalized community, like if you're a black person, there are Nazi niggas running around who are just like, just, and you talk about this too much because they're always fucking with you in particular. But that's, what the fuck do you mean? (laughs) And then like, it kind of, Actually, this sort of gives way a little bit because he's like describing conditions. Right. And then he's like, 
the rest of it is like reacting. Uh, Y'all say something dumb and I swear to God, I'm gonna pack (laughs) up and run until I tear a quad. I'm gonna look into the sun. I'm a stare at God. I'm gonna get as big as pun in the terror squad. Like he's like, he's like freaking out. Like this is this is the rest of this verse is like I'm going to do something. (laughs) Things keep happening to me and the people that I care about and people that I don't care about who don't deserve this shit. (laughs) And I'm gonna flip out. And then like uh, memories is deep in the skeleton is very like the body keeps the score is. Right. Like, you know, not for nothing, every black person you've ever met in your life has been traumatized. Right. All and, of us. And it might have been you a little bit that did it. At birth. <laughs> like, the, the moment we set foot on this plane, the trauma began. Yeah, and it's just, it's so good. Bars. Uh, and, like, uh, we should put a list together where, like, we're, we the songs we did definitely speak about, we should make sure that they have links or something to them or something like that. Yeah, I want to be, yeah, I'm going to real reiterate that uh, when, in the show notes and, uh, uh, yeah, so in the show notes, um, this first one is going to be on Spotify in the Tranos feed, we think. So it's going to be there. Um, that's probably really easy. And then in the show notes on Patreon, it will also be available. And you'll get stuff that we didn't even cover, I think. I, I like your I like your playlist currently. It's very well rounded, and it's it's very experimental compared to me. Um, like I said, I was a new metal kid, so like my list is going to be lots of that, <laughs> lots of new metal, lots of uh, grunge. I was a grunge kid mm. that then became a new metal kid. So, yes, I I do fuck with those. Like I fuck with grunge and sometimes new metal, but it's so hard to like. We're trying to keep this down to ten, and this whole thing is uh, twenty eight. <laughs> and cameras is and, even and bigger often, right now right i often got accused of of like uh i listened to what would be would have been considered feminine metal which makes no sense because mm-hmm. it's just metal yeah we were just we just talked about deftones being metal for girls but now that's like a fact that everyone acknowledges but it's good right like i remember like trying to hide like how queer i was and someone would be in like the deftones that's girl metal and me being like no it's not yes it is He's not howling like a beast. He's whispering. It's very lyric heavy. Like, like uh, both of us kind of like have an understanding of uh, how lyrics affect us. And we're able to expound upon that feeling. And, and that's what this show is about. Every, everyone in school and everyone in English class K through 12 dreads the poetry unit because right. there is something about like the way that school works that kind of fucks it up. <laughs> Yeah, you're not allowed to like interpret at, at, at your own behest. You're kind of being told how to interpret it. Also, like choosing the the discourse community that you want to engage in this stuff with helps a lot. Like me and you talking about these things and going on to talk about these things with like handpicked guests and stuff. There is no way that someone is going to come into the the, the conversation and be like, uh, "I think they reminisce over you is about abortion." Go home. <laughs> Jesus. Every, every single poem. Uh, and this is like in high school for me. I was like in my, I was like an AP literature or something. And somebody was like, I think this poem might be about abortion. It's about World War II. They didn't. It's just, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. You know, that dude was not thinking about this. And what was the, something, something, something ball turret gunner. Is the name of the poem. And it's about like people who get sent off to war 
and used and abused and they were expendable. So like there's people who are hanging out the bottom of like bombers, like B-29s or whatever, and B-52s or whatever. And, you know, they get blown up and then someone has to like wash their remains out of the, the turret. And someone was like, I think this soldier was a fetus. So we're never, like, we are going to be able to, like, sort stuff out in a, like, materially interesting way without, like, that, uh, without all the chaff coming in and yeah. without, like, this rigid structure being imposed on us because we are the, the structurers. Right, process. right. Like, and uh, as we, like, delve deeper into this traverse across the Bifrost, um, <laughs> uh, it'll be about, like, how we see it and how music gives you, like, a little glimpse into the past and it makes you relevant of like lessons from the past and they're not banning those yet yeah we and we're not we'll never we'll never let our 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 shit be silenced because come on these are bops right like like this is these these every song is a glimpse into a history from someone else's perspective it's that's that's how I see it. That's how I've always seen music. Like when I listen to like Bush, it takes me back to the early nineties. When I listen to Helmet, it takes me back to like the late nineties. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it and what was going on at that point in time in history and how they were interpreting what was going on. They're like the they're the scribes. They're mm. the bards. And that's 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 what this is kind of about, about us like curating. Uh, how we uh, experience life through music. Yeah, it's like it. The most important thing that art does is that it reveals the the audience, right? Or not, maybe not. Audience sounds too big. The behold, like you know, like literally, like beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Right. Is like people say that so much that it doesn't mean anything. But the greatest value that art confers is that people absorb it and it becomes part of them. And then in a weird, interesting way, that piece of art like becomes like an external organ of that person. And not everyone is privy to that, but if you are if you're like this, where it's like me and Cameron having a conversation about what these things mean to me then that is an aspect that is conferred like by magic basically and it like it embiggens the art and it enriches the viewer or the listener in this case and it's just yeah it's a passing of surpassing of that information and that feeling and that perspective uh from one of us to the other from from each of us sometimes it'll be at the same time um it, it is a, a cool glimpse into learning about a person. Like you learn a lot about a person through their playlist mm-hmm. and you learn about the things that they care about and the things that they hold dear through their playlist. And it sounds cliche, but music is like the everlasting trapper keeper. Like I knew what kind of, <laughs> I knew what kind of fuck you were. It depended on your trapper keeper. If you had my little ponies, I was down for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> but if you was walking around with a GI Joe trapper keeper, I stayed away from you. You're probably a future cop, right? You're probably a cop right now. You're probably a cop right now. Right now. Snake eyes wouldn't fuck with you. Feel bad. Right. Uh, let's do let's do three more. All right. And see how, where that lands us. I'm not sure how many we've done now. Um, this next one is uh, from 
I think, oh, we were, we were talking about this the other day and I couldn't remember where they were, but I think it might be Torrance, California. Like we were talking about the middle part of California, that's the northern southern part of California where there ain't shit. And right. a lot of like really great bands come from there. Uh, we were talking about that. And so this is uh, the Minutemen. Uh, it's expected I'm gone from Double Nickels on the Dime, which is actually just like set the stage. Like the Minutemen are like such a wonderful punk band. Uh, very sadly, uh, the one of them, I think it's a two piece. He was on his way home from something, I think. And he was like lying down in the backseat of the car because uh, he wasn't feeling good. And on the road, like the axle snapped and the car flipped and he died. Oh um, my God. But they were like, on this record, there's um, also some tracks. God, they were working. Yeah, History Lesson Part 2. It's like such a beautiful song about like, hey, this is my best friend. This is how uh, us two best friends met. And now we're in love and we make music together. But uh, regrettably, Boone died. And this is a song about how you would know this better than I would, but when did the they try to limit highway speeds to 55? Here? Uh... It was like a national thing that happened, and Sammy Hagar has a song about it that's pretty famous called I Can't Drive I 55. Was, yeah, I think it was like 85, 86. Mm-hmm. Like, I was around, like, because it's been 55 for that long. Like, it's it's 55. You could push it to 60 here. Uh, but, like, yeah, like, people was just doing what the fuck they wanted to until 84. I'm, I'm, and, again, like, Americans don't fuck with that stuff. Like, now it's 75 in a lot of places around here. Yeah, here, like, it's uh, this city is only 37 miles across and long. So, like, they're like, nah, chill. This is not the Autobahn. So this vibe is Double Nickels on the Dime. Is It's a punk song. Uh, it's a punk album where the vibe is like, cool to be safe, you guys. There was another one that was like just raw and 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 simplistic. There wasn't a lot going on, but it was going on. Yeah, the Minutemen. They're one a small band, or they're one a big band. It was like I said. I think it was mostly just them too. But and it's like very. It's like minimal all around, uh, except that it has one of the fucking rawest punk bass lines. Yeah, yeah, it was super raw. He was playing was his ass plucky. off, boy. It was very plucky. It was very plucky. Like I like I like I liked it because I could feel like the fingers hitting the strings. Yeah, and I like that they have a lot of verbose songs. Like they have a song about Vietnam, where it is like essay level, uh, where he's just yelling facts about like Viet about the war and being like it's stupid. It doesn't make any sense, uh, and it's like long as hell. It's like long winded as hell. But this one is like very. It's almost like animal, but it's like a smart animal. Yeah, you know when he says, "I don't want to hurt." Um, I make certain that my head is connected to my body. No hope. See, that's what gives me guts. Like this is like this is that part literally means like I don't have anything to lose. 
So right. I'm down as hell. <laughs> right, right. And it feels good, and it is good. Yeah, it was like a mini, like a mini, like survival guide. Mm -hmm. And like, I, this is what existence on this plane is like. Actually, come to think of it, this is, I feel like, I feel so stupid not saying something about this. But um, the Minutemen are familiar, I think, to most people because of uh, Jackass. That the Jackass theme, Corona, is a Minuteman song. Yeah, we have it. Some education for you assholes. For you assholes. For you jackass, jackers assers out there. What do, what do they call themselves now? Old. That's what they call themselves. <laughs> Old. Old oh. and just like a like a bag of loose bones. Yeah, you just you were like, hey, I'm not gonna make it to old, so I'm just gonna fuck this up and, and you're still here. <laughs> but hey, they push through it. Like some some of them push through. Like Steve O yeah. has all new teeth. Because yes. he pushed through and got rich and got uh, healthy. And he's still squeezing lemon juice into his eyes at 50 years old. But, all right. I mean, he's he, he making money. I know, no hate to Steve-O. Don't, don't come for us. We're small. I mean, you of all people, right? You old-ass uh, professional wrestler. You, know, like, right. you know the things that you can do and the things that you can't do. Right. And he probably knows even better the things that he can and can't be, do. Yeah, I've wrestled for years, but this motherfucker was like swimming with sharks and like running away from alligators and snakes. Like, there's no way he's gonna jump off a bridge again. But no. he can, he, he, you know, a snake can have a little nibble. With alligators with meat diapers, like he was doing all that shit. Shout out to Steve. -O. Shout out to Steve. Got and shout out to him for uh, looking out for Bam, trying to look out for Bam, and knowing when he can't do that anymore. Like right, honestly, right. like. The maturity displayed by Steve is unimaginable. Right. Like, if you just checked in, you're like, wow, that's a grown ass adult man with boundaries and shit. <laughs> right, right. And, like, and, and like all the things that he's done, like that song was very Steve O. Shout out to Steve O. Shout out to Steve O. It's crazy how it rounded out that way. We're like, huh, we know a person who sounds like this song. He got, who is this song? He has guts. He, his, his guts are insane. Um, this next one, this is our penultimate one, is a newer track. I tried to get a lot of oldies in, um, and many of which didn't make it, make the cut this time. Um, but I want to be talking about music that I'm into right now, uh, which includes the, the incredible Chappelle Roan. Uh, she's like a newer uh, singer-songwriter, pop diva type person. Who I love dearly, and I, I we, uh, she's coming to Denver soon, but there, we can't fucking go because the tickets ended up being like a hundred twenty something, a piece. Yeah, and she's like, she doesn't even have like, she's not prolific like that. Like she doesn't even have. I think she just has an EP. I don't think she has like an album yet. I think that's the game. I think that's the game. These like these people, like these arenas and these venues after COVID, they're like just like you need to, to make your your nut. You need to charge this much if you're gonna have it here. It needs to be this much. And I think she's pretty young. I think she's like maybe twenty three. Actually, let me young bastard. But she's like a, a Gen Z person. She's twenty five. Um, no hate. But, but she, she, she's like a Gen, like a Gen Zer. She's only a little bit younger than me, but she's like a young adult to all the other young adults, you know? Right. So there are people who don't really have 
that many responsibilities or are like so desperate to see a queer person doing the damn thing right. that I think that they knew that they could get away with it. But also, also, uh, Ticketmaster is finna get broken up by Congress, so we'll see. Because all that wild shit they've been doing with these ticket sales lately. Yeah, see, that's the trick is they thought they could make a they could make a, a mint off of Taylor Swift, and those people aren't well, and yeah. that was a mistake to to fuss with them. <laughs> but this is uh, her newest. This is Chappelle Rohn's newest single, Casual. I mean, shit. It's so <laughs> good. I mean, shit. Like uh, that. Like I've, I, mm, I have possibly been the person that this song was being sung to. Mm. Yeah, like I mean, we talk about this. This is kind of the flip side, interestingly, of a lot of the other angstier songs. Where this is like a very like water sign vibe. Yes. Although I think she might be like an Aries. No, I'm thinking of a different. I'm thinking of somebody different. I don't actually know what her sign is. But it's like a very water sign vibe. Very water sign, yeah. It's like kind of like Scorpio vibe, where it's like, let me belong to you or leave me alone. Right. And it's it's a choice that she can't make critically. Is like this, she's like head over heels, uh, what are the arse over tea kettle for this person who is fucking with her, and her friends are like, stop. And she's like, I don't know how. <laughs> She just can't not be into this. And it's like, like, let me go or don't. Like, let me go or hold me close, but choose. I mean, as a cancer, I understand that too. But I think in this in this instance, I am most likely the person that this song was being sung about. Mm-hmm. Because I, as a water sign, feel the opposite way. Like, if you're too overly into me, like, it, it weirds me out and I start separating from you, or I can't, like, commit to what's going on, so I just try to keep it as casual and and, and not attach as possible, like, which is super easy for me not to do, even though they say cancers can't do that. Like, I can turn these shits off. Like, I can just stop. <laughs> like, I can just stop, but there, I do understand the, the, the position of water sign that wants to, like, love this person so much and everyone's like, yo, chill out, and you're like, I can't. I I think it's like a more it's like a Pisces Scorpio thing where it's like I need to like be there for you or like I need to possess you whereas and this is my reading my Mars is in cancer where it's like the other side is like I can't let you in here I have shit going on and I can't let you in here even if I think that maybe deep down I am like fully in love with you I can't let you in here right now for right it's like this is actually the other half of the conversation as um she crows okay. where it's like you know she like Chappelle Rowan is saying I need this to be like mutually agreed upon I need my t- I need to be considered when we're like doing all this stuff and uh, her paramour is like no these are everything's happening on my terms even though they're letting it slip a lot and you know they're getting dinner with uh, she's getting dinner with them and their parents 
and their mom is inviting them to the house in Long Beach. She's having conversations with the sister. Like it's yeah, it's 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 a, it's a like I'm not your girlfriend, but what the fuck am I doing all of this? For? Yeah, they're letting they're letting her keep her stuff at their place. What gives? And something I actually really like about this is um, it's like it seems really sapphic, but it's kind of hard to say. And I like that. Like I like when it's sort of an extension of um, Lil Nas X. Okay. And like when he is like, uh, oh my God, what is the exact line? Yeah, you know what? I fucked that up. I should have known that was all going to be porn. <laughs> I'm just trying to find the Montero lyrics. <laughs> What happened? <laughs> but he says, you know, I want to sell what you're buying. I want to feel on your ass in Hawaii. I want to, that jet lag from fucking and flying. Shoot right. a child, shoot a nut in your mouth while I'm riding. Like, I'm pretty sure it was nut before. Anyway, I'm, yeah. a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm Mandela affecting myself. But it's like an extension of that where it's like the presupposition in pop music, especially like love songs, which... Uh, comprise a huge amount of pop music it's like right. people are straight right like it's natural and normal to be straight which that's the real thing that should be giving you pause um pause. so like when Lil Nas X is like yeah I'm a bottom and I'm this is what I care about and this is what I'm into and right. it, he just put it there because as he went on to say later when people were like trying to push back on it the amount of pop music that and especially now that like uh, hip hop and R and B, or like you know, rice records comprise yeah. like most of the airtime that you get played. Is you know these these are songs about like you know doing any old thing to any old woman a lot of the time. Right. So why can't you be gay and be like, and then I was gay. <laughs> <laughs> and this is kind of an extension of that, where this is like a really heartfelt love song, where. You know, like she's getting eaten out by somebody. Feels sapphic to me. Yeah, it seems like a thing. I took it as I, it, I it as very sapphic. The sound felt lavender to me. I yeah, exactly. I I read it as very queer because also like the only textual evidence I have, but no offense to boys. Uh, when no. in the chorus when she says, "Baby, get me off again," it's not y'all doing getting anybody off again. That's not a thing y'all do. By experience. I used to be a hoe back in the day. Y'all got to get in the lab. Right. Like, Y'all got to get in the lab, the gym, <laughs> the shower. The shower. <laughs> Sour booty ass. <laughs> oh, actually, come to think of it, when they go to dinner with their parents and they fuck in the bathroom, that all that, like that, that leans towards it's another girl. Right. But it's not yeah. conclusive. But this is also, yeah, this is actually, I'm realizing now how funny it is that this is like the opposite of a lot of what I've been bringing. Like, she is, like, so self-assured about how she feels, but the the way, the reason that she's struggling to get her the outside to match her inside is because she's, like, meeting specific resistance from this person. And that's where the angst is coming from. Yeah. Yeah, like, needing that, like, reassurance that this isn't just, like, some flash in the pan with all that she's invested and she continues to invest and they keep letting her invest and then she's they're like no attachments bitch 
If I'm talking to your sister on the phone, your sister would be dead if not for me. We're attached like a motherfucker because why am I taking time out of my day to be friends with a person I would have never known without you? Mm -hmm. Like I have my relationship is most closely tied with your sister through you. So yeah, she's what am I doing over here? Being she's relying on me. Like she's on the phone talking down her sister, their sister. Right, Wash like, reference. Why am I being Dr. Ruth with your sister? Dr. Ruth. <laughs> like, Wash reference. Because I'm old as fuck. <laughs> okay, and this is my last one. Um, I tried to pick one that the vibe was not as painful. Oh, shit. Um, this is Fire Escape in the Sea by Sea Power. Uh, I discovered them because they provided the soundtrack to the best made video game i've ever played disco elysium okay which big wreck for disco elysium this is not a video gaming podcast but uh their music provides some put so much character in the game and this is the song a version of the song plays at the hotel that you're staying at in the common area at different times of day a different version of the song plays that's instrumental but this is just the straight up whole song, uh, Fire Escape in the Sea. That's uh, it's got like a like a it's it feels like video game music, but in like a really good way. Mm-hmm. Like, cause generally video game music kind of sets a mood for the game. It becomes like part of the character, and I feel like musically, like it was just explaining like there's so many questions in that game, and there's like. You're 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 going over things to figure out a place that you've already been but can't remember, mm-hmm. and it feels like a very like calming effect to be like, all right, these things are like out of my control and I don't really have any answers right now, but I'm I'm just investigating what's going on. So it felt very soothing, but like the the angst level wasn't high. Like it seems like a situation where you would be like, all right, is this amnesia? Do should I be freaking out? And the music's really. It's kind of like a low-key, like, it's, this is maybe something, a feeling that not everybody has had before, because I got really into French existentialism as a child. Um, There is something, there's a character about it that is, that resonates with that game especially, because, uh, and I hope there are people who hear this and get mad enough to subscribe to the Patreon to comment, I guess, because maybe they think I'm reading it wrong, wouldn't that be fun? Um, so Disco Elysium is about a person who is like a microcosm. It's a very like as above, so below game in my uh, view, because the Harry Dubois, the player character loses his whole memory. And if you haven't played this game, it's like hard to conceptualize, but this is somebody who had like a really serious bender one night and woke up with no knowledge like, he's able to recognize a lot of things, but not things that are, like, hard to recognize. <laughs> like, he knows, like, that he needs to find his tie and his shoes because he wants to be dressed. 
But there's conversations that this character has in this game about like, so what's this like? What's the whole world about? <laughs> like, what's this thing that we're? Yeah, he like, what's the deal? Because he doesn't know, and he has no like. Part of the game is like finding touch points to like build a, a framework to understand the world in. But this also takes place in a fictional country called Revishol, where, oh, uh, importantly, the collective that originally put all the, ga- the game together and the guy who wrote the game, um, they're from Estonia. Okay. Estonia is a former Soviet state, and the game par- it takes place in this, pl- in this country where they had a successful revolution and it didn't work out because, for a lot of reasons. Um, part of it is that it turns out communists, a lot of them, uh, there are people who like get into communism for like weirdly fashy reasons. There are people who are like, well, this is obviously the right way to be, so I'm going to enforce it on other people at any cost. Right. And there's a lot of people who are like, well, I would rather be rich than have my, all my needs met. Those are because those are different. And so the country was like, it's a successful revolution that failed in the long run, which is what happened with the Soviet Union. Like, you know, building off of Marx and Engels, like Lenin did a pretty good job. uh, But when it was over for him and Stalin got in charge and like everything sort of got fucked up after that to up to the point where when we're talking about like uh, Khrushchev and Gorbachev, these are guys who are like, you know, Gorbachev was on a fucking Pizza Hut commercial. That yeah. dude was not a communist because they weren't trying to do communism at a certain point. And then eventually it just kind of shifts over into like a neoliberal capitalist situation. Just And this is very much what China is right now, honestly. Like they had a revolution in the 50s and now the Communist Party is like, what's the way that we make all the money? And like they just do capitalism. And... That like conflict between like label the label of things and like the nature of things is at the heart of the game, and I think that the song kind of expresses it in a way because yeah. it's evasive. Like, so I think I think it's talking about a party um, in the first line, in the first stanza verse. Okay. Uh, you know, it wasn't good, but it was okay. I didn't get everything I wanted to out of it, but I survived. But it's bad enough that I'm not going to leave through the door. Right. I'm going to sneak out of the situation, which was fine. And I th- these last two, the night is almost over, over now. I don't want the day to find out how is... It reminds me of um, From the Rich to the Rubble, the Arctic Monkeys song, where... It's about like being 19 and going on a night out and having a medium bad night out. Medium bad. It's not like terrible. It's not a disaster. They're just like, wow. It was all right. Like that that bouncer was an asshole. We couldn't get in there. Shit, and it was. We didn't get in anywhere until like the fourth try. And there's a bunch of parts about like it's like there's a bunch of things that happened last night that couldn't happen today. Those things don't happen on Sunday the way they happen on Saturday night. Right, right. You know, you made out with that girl. Like you, you, you got off with that girl. You couldn't do that today because that's not a Sunday thing to do. That only happens on Saturday night. And I think this part is like, it was okay, 
but I don't ever want to talk about it. And I don't want to go to sleep and wake up and be somebody who has to reckon with whether or not it was okay. Well, a little bit, a little bit of morning regret, a little touch of the regrets. Yeah. I think it's partially about like being a different person at different stages in your life. And sometimes like we're up against it being right. like, which is like, a, I think we don't say that in American English really. No, but it's, it's like a British English word of being like, you know, I got going like so, something, yeah, going through it. That's, that's Ave though. That's not even American English. That's just no, for right. us, baby. <laughs> Niggas. <laughs> yeah. If you're white, you're in a pickle. You're not going through shit. <laughs> no, you're not. You're in a bind. You're 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 in a pickle, but you you ain't going. <laughs> if it's shit, really bad, maybe you're in a dilly of a pickle. <laughs> but this this person is going through it, and they don't want to reckon with that. It seems like, and right. this is again weirdly someone who's talking to somebody who's like, "What do you want from me? I'm not really sure. It just seems like you want to be around me, and I don't know what." I don't know why. And then the verse we didn't listen to deserted street, deserted streets and neural networks lead me home to you, you home to me. It's obvious. Yeah. It's oh so clear. It's beautiful when you are near. And I think this is like the least acrimonious interpersonal relationship we've covered. Okay. I guess it's tied with cab with a St. James infirmary because half of them are dead in that one. But it's like, these people are like really truly in love. And the speaker yeah. is like, seems weird. Yeah. It's like, maybe I should look into it. I definitely <laughs> shouldn't look into it. Right, right. Like, are we, are, we're, we're, we're together. Uh, I guess. Ho- hopefully not. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, I don't know why you're here, but I'm so glad you are. But it, it makes me feel weird. Yeah, I feel that line like, so what are you here for? Are you here for again? Feels like, so what are you here for? And how many times have you been here? Yeah, in the in the last verse, he repeats it four times. And he's like, I really, are you sure? It's right. like a very like, are you sure that's what you mean? And always he says, what are you here, what are you here for again? Right. Because he's been like, why are you still here? <laughs> Which is uh, just uh, his way of going about, oh, so what you about to do? Mm. <laughs> so what you about to do? <laughs> That's the long goodbye. Like, hey, I got shit to do tomorrow. <laughs> but they always uh, find each other. They always find each other. It just is weird. It just, it's not, it doesn't seem correct, but it's, it's what happened. And, you know, maybe we don't have to worry about it too much. I mean, that was a cool song. I mean, like, and and, and a cool game because I think you've introduced me to that before, mm-hmm. and I read about it. and I played it a couple times. I didn't really get into it because I'm not like a real big gamer, mm-hmm. but like the the music was cool, and it does make sense that like I I interpreted that song as like you, you're really trying to figure these things out, but you're not sure you want to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like you just kind of have to know, but you don't. You're not like yeah gung ho about. We're up against it. We have to do it. It's like now or never. We have to figure it out. I don't want to so bad. <laughs> right, right, right. It was pretty cool, like playlist. And I know it's only a couple. Like we only picked a couple things. But you know, it, for fans, uh, have access to the rest. So check it out. Right, like yeah. Like please check out um, 
B's vertical slice on uh, remedial mixtape. If you want to expand on Cameron's uh, ever expanding, but not at like a super huge rate, uh, musical tastes, you can get on the second episode and hear her vertical slice uh, exclusively on the NQO Patreon. And there's links for you to get there. I mean, it's going to be some surprises on there. <laughs> it's going to be a few surprises on there because I'm very eclectic too in a different kind of way. We'll see. Yeah, we will. Uh, well, uh, I guess this has been the first episode of Remedial Mixtape. I had a lot of fun. I mean, like, should we say goodbye to the people? Yeah, that's, I mean, you know, it's we're just on a mixtape. Just rewind it and listen to it again. Play it back. Right, right, right. Right, like, so this has been Remedial Mixtape. I'm Cameron Eileen Maharetrell, a.k.a. Tranos. Say it with your whole chest. Or I will get to windmilling at your funeral. And that's it. That's it for me. What's up with you? You want to say bye to people? Please, please enjoy this. Uh, if you have comments, I'd love to hear them. I've been B all along, and you better lock down your funeral. She's serious. I will start the windmill, I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs>